0: we also would love to connect with you on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, welcome back to our online experience. Thank you so much for joining in. We had an amazing Sunday last week, Baptism Sunday, water baptized people. It was also our last. Uh, Sunday in our, what was a new venue, Overflow Brewery Company. Been a great several months that we've been there. Now we're back today live. Well, I'm not, well, with you, we're live in a different setting, but live also with our community in-house uh, in our old venue, which is the Cineplex, uh, the Scotiabank Theatre in Gloucester. So we're super excited to be back there at Cineplex. Love for you to join us one day if you can. If you're in the area, join us live and in person, obviously, It's way better. I'm biased, but this is great too. And uh, we're glad to be able to do this, to come at those that either are abroad or those that maybe don't feel comfortable coming back live in person just yet. We're glad to be of service to you in this way. And so we last we talked about baptisms, talked about the water part of it, going under the water, and we really broke down. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it broke down some of the history, why water, why it's so important. Even if you've already been baptized, you need to go back and listen to it because there's nothing worse than not not being able as a believer to explain the basic fundamentals of our faith to people. And so we need these teachings, even though maybe they don't apply to us now that we need to do the thing, we need to be able to understand how to explain the thing. Very important. So go back, listen to it. And today we're going to keep on that, in, in the spirit of that, talking about baptisms again, part two, but this time talking about the power, the power the baptism of power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, as was our original passage in last week's message, says, in speaking of John the Baptist, who's baptizing people for repentance, he's saying, I indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we're continuing on today, the baptisms part two, the power. To understand, let's rewind, understand this, this what he's really saying, what John is, is saying about Jesus and what Jesus is gonna do. To understand this, we have to rewind a little bit to the purpose through which this experience took place and then branch off from there. So we're gonna go back to Acts chapter one, Verse one to eight, okay, I'm gonna read this to you. In my first book I told you, Theolophus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the last day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, because remember, he died, he resurrected, and he walked amongst the people as a resurrected man, as a resurrected Jesus, as a resurrected God in the flesh for 40 days. 40 full days. He visited people, did some crazy miracles, literally walked through walls, made food appear. I mean, did some really incredible things. In fact, the book of John says if it was all recorded, the things that he did, all the books in the world wouldn't be able to even fulfill or fill uh, all the encounters and the things that took place. And so here we have, uh, he's 40 days after verse 3. After he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Like I said, through miracles and many different things. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. We are on this journey. We've been talking about kingdom things. Everything I'm talking about really is kingdom, 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 like fundamentals, like basic stuff, foundation to our life, core to our spiritual life and journey. Once when he was eating with them, this is verse 4, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. So basically take another 10 days and pray, pray as 120 of you pray, find a place. They went to this place called the upper room, which I've actually, the place that they think it is in Israel, there's two places that they think it is, or it could be a few places I've been to both. Um, and actually we actually prayed and it was really powerful just to think that this could have been the actual location where they actually had prayed and the Holy Spirit actually fell really powerful. Um, and so he says, pray, wait 10 days. Basically he doesn't say 10 days, but we know because it's 50 total from the time he resurrected to the time the Holy Spirit was poured out, uh, the day of Pentecost. So do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. Okay. So this is now recounting or reiterating what was declared by john the baptist in matthew chapter 3 verse 11 john baptized with water but in a few days you'll be baptized with the holy spirit so when the apostles were with jesus they kept asking lord has the time come for you to free israel and restore our kingdom he replied the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know but you will receive power This is the word dunamis, explosive power through God's ability, dynamite explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my martyrs. The word witnesses is martyr, where we get the word martyr from. You will be my witnesses. Let's say my ambassadors that lay down their life. You will be my witnesses because the Holy Spirit came upon you. You can fully give your life, because you have the grace and power of God on your life to fully give your life the power of God to the place of full surrender and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth in other words this baptism of power will be the beginning of you carrying out your purpose now in verse 5 where it says John baptized with water we talked about last week that word baptized is bapto in the Greek and we see this word used by a Greek poet, Nikander in 200 BC, who lived in around 200 BC, and it was found in a recipe for pickling pickles. And the whole premise is that, you know, a cucumber goes in a cucumber and comes out a dill after it's fully submerged in the vinegar solution to dip under, to totally submerge. Well, this is the picture as well as just as water we are to be fully submersed in water. We are also be fully baptized, fully submersed in the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit within, okay? It's a whole other thing to be fully submersed by the Spirit, okay? It's like you could have the seeds of... Uh, of the cucumber on the inside. There's, There's something on the inside, but then when you go in the vinegar solution, not only is the inside also transformed, the outside, the taste, the smell, everything about the cucumber is totally transformed. And so it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit within leading us and a whole other thing to be baptized in power for the thing that God's called us to do. Now in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 8, here we see the day of Pentecost, which is actually, we would celebrate this on June 5th. This is actually the day of Pentecost, June 5th. I know that this is not June 5th, but we're celebrating Pentecost a day, you know, a month early, basically. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 8, we actually see the manifestation of what Jesus promised In Acts chapter one, and when he talks about you know waiting in Jerusalem until the gift of the the promise, the gift, the promise is made manifest, the Holy Spirit coming, baptizing you in power, and be my witness. In Acts chapter two, verse one to eight, we see this manifest. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, these languages, based upon the next few verses, were the native tongue of all the people witnessing this event. And they were speaking the gospel message of hope and salvation in the native tongue of all these people. So it would be the equivalent of, you know, I don't speak Chinese and all of a sudden, you know, I'm having this encounter and there's like, you know, 120 Chinese people around me that only speak in in Chinese. And all of a sudden I start speaking perfect Chinese and I'm sharing them. They don't speak English, they speak Chinese and I'm speaking in perfect Chinese and I'm relaying the message of hope. And they're like, what is going on? Like, how does he know that? We know he doesn't know Chinese. Well, this is what was happening in this moment. And in verse five, it says, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And then flip over to verse 12. They stood there and amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk. That's all like, imagine that if you knew that I never spoke Chinese and I'm now speaking in perfect Chinese, you would never say I'm just drunk. They said they were just drunk because there was no way to explain the pandemonia that was taking place. And there was probably some crazy things happening. We don't know the full picture. Okay. It, they went into a form of what we call probably mania at this point and I actually develop and go into this a little bit in my one of my courses that I'm developing right now, but it's a form of mania, it's a form of like, you know, it's it almost looks like the cults of the day. It almost appears like some of the pagan cults that we've witnessed. Like it's chaos right now. Like people are speaking in different languages. There is like wind, like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Uh, and appeared on our on their head this this image of tongues of fire. And they probably actually did look a little bit drunk. They sounded like a little bit drunk. There was no other way to explain what was taking place. And so they ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk. And as you know, Peter had to get up and say, Hey, listen, guys. They're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that what the prophet Joel prophesied that in the last days, my, you know, God will pour out His spirit upon all flesh. And so Peter got up, and that day, three thousand people gave their lives to Jesus. Three thousand people on a day where all it was was raw. I mean, overwhelming power of God entered the room to change the game. Three thousand people had an encounter with Jesus. It's one thing to know God and a whole other thing to know his power, which is what we're talking about. Because the power of God has or is a promise with a purpose. Acts chapter eight, verse 14 says this, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, okay, this is way, quite a bit after the Acts 2 experience, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this would be likened to, they had been baptized in water. They had been baptized in John's baptism. In this context, they had uh, some sort of a baptism experience, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. So this again shows there is another baptism called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, one of the main signs is always gonna be you're gonna be a witness. You're gonna be willing to lay down your life for the gospel, for the cause, for the mission, for what God has for you in your life. And to do that is the best form of life, okay? There are other evidences That we see like speaking in tongues, prophecy, the gifts of the spirit activated, power encounters. There are other evidences in scripture, but Acts chapter one, verse eight is very clear that the power you shall receive power to be my witnesses, not just to do gifts and to speak in tongues. And that happens and that may happen. And I think it should happen. I think it can happen every time. I believe if you want it, God will give it to you. But the main purpose because you can do all those things, and if you're not a witness, you're missing out on the main purpose, okay? So that's Acts chapter one, verse eight. You can read that. We already went through that actually in the beginning. But I want to give you a few key points of why the power, why the power, why the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the power is for full surrender. Full surrender. Okay, like I've said over and over again, to be my martyr. To it's the the image of laying down your life fully. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 7, when while Apollos was in Corinth. Paul traveled throughout the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And he was there for about three years. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is what Paul said. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Imagine they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus or you know, baptized in that, that time, maybe in, in John's baptism. And, and they, they've repented and they're moving ahead, but they have no grid For the Holy Spirit. That was kind of like me, in fact. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus when I was 18, I was all in, and I was reading the Bible. It was like things were coming alive to me, things that I'd never seen. Coming alive to me. And I remember reading in John uh, about how Jesus is talking about when I go, I'm gonna send another. And he's gonna guide you into all truth. He'll be an advocate, a helper. He's the perikletos, which is the the Greek word for helper, counselor, the Holy Spirit. He's the he's the he's the, the one that will guide you into all truth. And he will show you things to come, remind you of things to come, and, and he will lead you, and he will be the one who guides you. I remember thinking, reading this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. There's another guy coming. Like, I actually thought, I had no idea, I had no idea that I even had the Holy Spirit inside of me yet. I remember it was so, I was so green reading the scripture in those areas. Like, I just had no revelation. And God was revealing to me. Obviously, I found out, okay, I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. But then I started researching. I'm like, but I don't think I've had that, like, that baptism experience yet. Yes, I had a crazy experience the day I had my experience with God that changed everything in my car. But I, I don't think I felt like in my spirit, that wasn't the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I began this quest. I began this quest. Okay, Holy Spirit, okay, you already are here. I didn't know you were. I thought you were going to come. But Holy Spirit, like you, you there's something must be more. <clears throat> there must be more. And I began to get into this when I'm reading right now. So it says here in verse two, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, no, they replied, they haven't even heard of, there is a Holy Spirit. Verse three, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues. In this moment, they had what would be considered, and there is some scholarly debate, okay? Those that are more biased, that are anti, let's say, God working this way now, there's some debate, but this would be closely related to, as we see in the text, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, another baptism, another baptism. That when the best baptism happened and they laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit, Came upon them. Remember, baptizing you is to fully submerge you. You were came upon you, and they spoke in other tongues. This was the evidence in that moment. And they prophesied. They didn't just speak in tongues; they prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. And so, from the baptism of John to the baptism of Jesus to the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, my little bit of my journey. I remember when I got into this, and I began to research, and I began to study, and I began to ask questions. People around me that. Ex- had experienced this, I was attending uh, on, you know, I, at that point I was attending an Alliance church that didn't even, I don't even remember hearing the name Holy Spirit ever mentioned. I don't even remember like ever this being a conversation, but I was also at that time playing drums at other churches and got to be exposed to other um, denominations at the time. And I was going to, other I was just hungry and I was at a, at a, at a Pentecostal church and uh, I used to be totally like anti-emotion like anti, like I was like, you know, there's no emotion in my faith. Like I can be emotional every other every area of my life. But when it comes to emotion and God, I was like very, you know, serious. Even though I had an encounter like with God that changed my life, I was still very private in my spirituality for for a little while, for several weeks, even a couple months. And I remember like, I remember, I was telling my kids the other day, like, I remember the first time I ever lifted my hands wasn't even in a certain like a public service in worship because that was just way too awkward. That was way too past private for me. The first time I ever lifted in my hands was in worship in my bedroom alone and it felt super awkward, like super uncomfortable. But that's just what happens when you're so bound up with fear and pride and unworthiness and you're still on this journey and it's unfolding like you're breaking through and I remember this, like, there's this song by Michael W. Smith, Let It Rain. And I remember it was like powerful in my room and I lifted my hands and it was like something broke off of me, fear. And But that didn't happen publicly for me. Like a lot of my experiences that broke me out of my shell did not happen publicly, they happened privately because I gave God time. Anyways, in this journey though, I got a hold of this book, um, uh, 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 this Baptist book actually, this Baptist written book that wasn't even really uh, pro what I was not even sure I was hoping it would be pro of. I, I, again, I didn't have much of a grit. I didn't know much about things that had gone on in church history or anything like that. And I remember the opening statement of this book was actually knocking and making fun of uh, charismatic churches. And at that point, I wasn't even really exposed to what would be considered charismatic churches? Okay, I had not really ever experienced and been exposed to that. Even the Pentecostal circles that I had been exposed to, I wouldn't even say they were super charismatic, the way that I know charismatic is now. And so I got to hold this book, read through it really quick. It was a really thick book on the Holy Spirit. I remember it being so hungry, so hungry, so hungry. And um, then I remember I was going to, at this retreat. I was at this retreat and uh, this men's retreat with about, I think about 19 men in this one bedroom. We were all bunked in. It was a lot of men anyways. And uh, as you know, if you've been tracking with me, I have a very active nightlife. And so I'm in bed, I'm sleeping. I'm in a bunk with like, I think like 15 to 19 men and we're all sleeping. I'm probably the youngest, one of the youngest of all the men in the room. And at this point, I think I'm, I'm 18 or I'm 19, 19 years old. And uh, I'm having this dream about the Holy Spirit. I've been reading this book, like I said, by this Baptist guy. And I've been having... I had this dream. I don't remember what the dream was about. But I woke up. I woke up. I shot out of my bed and out of my mouth, unwillingly. Like, I was not in control of this. I shot up out of bed and I spoke out loud. Do we really know God's Spirit? Do we really know God's Spirit? Do we really know God's Spirit? I said it three times. And I went back to bed. And I actually... When I woke up, because I woke myself up saying it, okay? I woke up saying it. I thought to myself, man, i hoping nobody heard me. Like, I hope I didn't wake anybody up. It was a really like one of those moments you wake up out of a dream and, you're, and then you're, you know, you're saying something and you catch yourself saying it and you're like, whoa, what was that? And I'm with like a whole bunch of men like, what are they gonna think? You know, I'm, I'm a really new believer at this point. I went, to, I went back to bed that night and that stuck with me. That like just really even made me more hungry. And like the Holy Spirit was leading me step by step. I started asking questions to all these Pentecostal people because they were the, the only people that I knew that knew about this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit at the time. Asking them what their experience was like, and then I got a hold of this book called God Chasers. I remember about a week later or a couple of weeks later after this retreat, and I opened the book God Chasers up by Tommy Tenney, and I opened up the first. I think it was the introduction, and it said something along these lines, almost verbatim, to my experience. It said, "You know, um, you know, we're hearing uh, around the world." the Holy Spirit, God is awakening people up in the middle of the night with a repetitious voice in the middle of the night. Do we really know him? Do we really know him? Do we really know him? And I thought to myself, wow, I am literally reading my experience, like waking them up in the middle of the night with a repetitious voice. Do we really know him? Do we really know him? I thought, man, okay, God, you're speaking. Then I got a hold of the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And Began to dive into that changed my life. This book called "Good Morning Holy Spirit" just gave me this hunger to know the Holy Spirit. And then one day, after I had coffee at Tim Hortons, after I had been searching, talking, one of my mentors at the time had said to me, "I think it's going to happen to you. You're going to have an experience this week, Sean. Like you're like you're so close. Like something like it all senses it." I'm just like desperate. God, you got to give me this experience. You know, I see it in Scripture. And I'm driving home in my 1992 golden topaz full of decals and stickers and and I remember where I was. I remember where I was in Bar Haven. I'm driving home and my car filled up. Very similar to the feeling, but even more when I first had my encounter at the age of 18 on the highway, coming back from an event, the car filled up and I all of a sudden these words started coming. And I felt like I was that cucumber dipped in the, the the vinegar solution. I felt like a totally different person, and this language began to come, and I began to speak and repeat this language over and over again. It was supernatural, and I was—I believe at the time I was being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all the way home, I remember I got out of my car. This lasted for about two and a half hours. I remember basically like on my driveway. I could, barely, <clears throat> I could barely move. I could barely move. And I remember, I felt like I was literally walking on cloud nine. And for the next two and a half hours, I began to speak in this heavenly language and it revolutionized, at that time, my whole spiritual journey. It was like everything went up like 10x. Everything went up, like on spiritual steroids, literally like my 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 quest with God, my relationship with God, my ability to share the gospel, the power of God started to follow me in really, really profound ways. I started to experience more of God, and every time I'd pursue him and step into his presence and pray and, and go onto the street, go into the grocery store, go into the bar, God would use me in a powerful way. And this happened as a byproduct of this experience. Now, some of you are like, man, this is crazy. This is out there, you landed on this by accident. It's supernatural. We serve a God who's supernatural. We serve a God who's beyond reason. We serve a God who's not subject to your inability to understand. But we serve a God who wants us to be subject to him who's beyond reasoning, who's beyond our ability to understand so that faith can be unlocked and activated in our life Paul speaks of this heavenly language that comes and I'm not talking about the kind of tongues that happen in Acts chapter 2 where it was somebody, you know, else's language. I'm talking about a heavenly language. Well, you're like, well, "Where is that in scripture?" Well, we see that in Acts chapter 8. We see that in that in the in in Acts chapter 19, but we also see this Paul talks about this multiple times and he separates the tongues that are interpreted spiritually and he also, in Acts chapter 2, the tongues that are someone else's language, and also the the tongues that are also the personal prayer language. In First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, Paul said this, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, Paul is saying, and he's encouraging, and he's imploring us in a sense by saying, I wish all of you could speak in tongues because listen, I know the benefit. He's like, in his mind, he's like, you guys, listen, you're arguing about all kinds of things. Maybe you don't understand it, you're afraid of it. He's like, okay, well, well you know, desire prophecies, Other other gifts you can desire. But I wish all of you spoke in tongues, cause every believer should speak in tongues. Every believer should activate what God wants them to activate, cause it builds up, according to Jude chapter one, verse twenty, it builds up your most holy faith. It builds you up in spirit. So I wish all of you spoke in tongues. It says in verse 14 of that same chapter, in verse chapter 14, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Once again, beyond reason. This spiritual supernatural gift of speaking in tongues that can be the evidence of the Holy Spirit's baptism in your life. You're not gonna understand here. It's your spirit that prays. It's your spirit that's praying. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. Paul brags about it. He's like, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than y'all, more than any of you. I thank God that I speak in tongues. Imagine that, eh? It's like, I thank God that I could prophesy more than all of you. Like, here, here he is bragging about him praying in tongues More than all of us. So we know there's something so powerful. How this happens, how this comes, it happens differently for many different people. I know it began to happen to me. How it began to happen to me is like I started to pray, I felt overwhelmed, and all of a sudden these words started popping into my mind. These random words that I'd never heard before, had no grid, but felt something powerful on, but that still didn't make sense. Like my mind wasn't like, oh, I get it. I understand it. My mind was like, yeah, this is tongues. No, my spirit, your spirit has to come alive to go beyond what your mind is saying. That makes no sense. That's foolishness. Why are you doing that? You're an idiot. You sound dumb. This is not even a word. If your spirit can go beyond that, where you have a peace that surpasses, like the Bible says, your understanding you will come into experiencing, I believe, this gift. But your spirit has to go beyond your understanding. Because a lot of people I've prayed, I've seen 700 people at one time get this gift. I've seen hundreds of people at one time get this gift. But the thing is, we have to move into a place of faith that where sometimes it doesn't come, we don't feel anything. We don't even necessarily sense anything. We get this word, this random word that, that as we're praying for it, we're asking God for it. God, give it to me. And then God gives us this one word to start and we just open up our mouth and God begins to fill it and God begins to use it. It's kind of like the gift of prophecy, you guys. Now, I'm going a little bit more supernatural here in the sense of the way the gifts operate are not so complicated. Sometimes they come with powerful spiritual encounters and sometimes they come with just simple, like, I have this sense that God is saying this to you. And then as you begin to talk it out, more and more comes. And it becomes a real strong prophetic word. But it starts with just one little word, one little sense, one little moment. Well, it's like this with all the gifts. Like I said, it could come powerful or it can come subtle. It could come loud or it can come in a gentle whisper. The gifts of God are activated through many different ways and we can't get locked into it It has to be this way because so-and-so had this encounter, it must be that. No, not all of you are gonna have an encounter like this in your car in a 1992 Topaz driving in Barhaven, but it may happen right now while I'm talking to you. Maybe it's gonna happen tonight. Maybe it's gonna happen after this experience online. We're gonna pray and see what happens, but don't be alarmed if it comes as simple as all of a sudden you're praying, you're asking God for it, God's a good God. He wants to give good gifts to his children. And all of a sudden now, boom, you get this word in your head. And all of a sudden, maybe this is part of you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is just a gift that God wants to give you to activate your prayer life, to go a little bit deeper in your life. And so we're going to pray at the end and see what happens. Number two, the power is for witness. The power is for witness. The power is for witness. Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Once again, that's the word martyr. Telling people about me everywhere. I used to actually believe at one point when I first had this encounter with Jesus that if you weren't talking about Jesus to people, like if that wasn't normal, you did not know Jesus. Eventually I had to learn that, you know, not everybody is gonna be talking as much as I was. And not everybody is called to do that as much. And that may, I think we're all called, I believe we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, to do to do evangelism, to love our neighbor, which is evangelism 101, loving your neighbor, being kind, we're all called to do that. But it may not be in the form at that time that I was, you know, sort of, walking in and so i had to grow, grow through that a little bit but i do believe that love is the byproduct and witness witnessing to your neighbor is the byproduct or is an example of love and if you're not loving your neighbor i would question whether or not you've had that experience because the baptism of the holy spirit will drive you to share your experience of who jesus is with the world around you and this is me on the street you know in the beginning of my journey beginning of my journey like just I love talking to people about Jesus. I love moving in the gifts. And recently, I was just in Toronto in this really posh gym, and there was this businessman there and older gentleman. And as I was working out, when I work out, especially in a public gym, which I haven't really been to like in a year and a half because of the pandemic, uh, I just I work out of my house now, but i um, I was in this gym, and when I am at a gym, I don't really like to have long conversations. But I, I have to always lean in and be obedient when God speaks. And God began to speak to me about this gentleman's past. He was not didn't believe in God. He actually even told me I don't know about this God stuff. And and uh, but I had this in- encounter in the gym where God began to give me a word of knowledge about about his son, actually. I didn't know he had a son. He had one son and gave me a word of knowledge that really struck a chord with him. And by the end of the conversation, uh, I know he was open and he had an open heart to the fact that, okay, God could be speaking and this could be God and God could be real. Like here's this random guy who doesn't live in Toronto here relaying something that's very sentimental because it actually was a very sentimental word. And I got to share about Jesus to this guy. And and I love when these moments happen because these are just overflow of the Holy Spirit's power at work in our life. And all of us have the ability to walk in this. All of us have the, not only the right, but the promise that if we would just ask, the Holy Spirit would come and give us the power that we need to be his witness. So the power is for witness. Number three, the power is also for Purpose, purpose, to witness with a purpose, to advance the kingdom, to advance the kingdom. Yes, we witness, but the witness has a purpose. The witness has a purpose to advance the kingdom. Remember, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. So, baptism happens. He's baptized in John's baptism to fulfill all righteousness. Okay. Heaven opens. His identity is confirmed. He's then led just like us. We give our lives to Jesus. Baptism is a picture of giving our life to Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And then we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was being led by the Holy Spirit. He was the model. Remember, he was fully God, fully man, but he was also the model for us to follow. If he went through it, so will we, okay? Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And then it says, uh, or it says in another account it says Luke four verse one another account is it says it like this then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness Luke four verse thirteen to f- or thirteen to fourteen then okay so we know here he is he's filled okay so you can be filled doesn't mean you're baptized you can be led doesn't mean you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit it says here in verse 13 and 14 of Luke chapter four. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation after 40 days, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then it says this in verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So the power he returned, he was led, he was filled and led into the temptation season after his baptism Okay, baptism, remember, picture of salvation. We have the Holy Spirit. He fills us. Ephesians 5 verse uh, 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul said. Then after temptation, 40 days, he's been through some fire, been through some trials. Jesus returned now in the power of the Holy Spirit. It speaks to this subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we know this because now all of a sudden he's witnessing, he's sharing the good news. It says that he he shared the, or the news of him went around through all the surrounding region, and that's when he began his public ministry. So even Jesus modeled this sequential sort of baptismal experience and encounter. He began his ministry, and I would propose this to many out there listening. Some of you have ne- yet, y- some of you haven't even begun haven't even begun to start what God's called you to start yet because you've been missing this one piece of your spiritual relationship. I want you, wherever you are, if you can, maybe you're listening in the car, then just listen. Maybe you're watching at home online. You're watching after the fact, listening after the fact. Wherever you are right now, if you can, I want you to stand up. And I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I want to believe with you. I want to believe that God is going to do something powerful in your life right now. I'm believing right now that even, even through this camera, as you're watching that many of you, if you've never been, you would say I've never been baptized by the Holy spirit. And maybe you, you, or maybe you feel like you have, and, and you've been seeing amazing things and you feel like God has given you that you have a conviction of that. Maybe you just want to receive the gift of tongues. You want to receive that personal prayer language, I want to pray for you. Whatever the case may be. Maybe you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you are going to receive the evidence of speaking in tongues. Maybe prophecy will begin to happen for you for the first time. Whatever the case may be, close your eyes, lift out your hands right now. I want to pray for you. Father, right now, you said that you will give good gifts to your children. You'll not withhold any good gifts to your children. And you said, ask and you shall receive. Paul invites us through your word to pursue the spiritual gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul talks about this personal prayer language in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. God, we see the evidence of this in Acts chapter 8 of the Holy Spirit coming in power and the evidence of speaking in tongues happening. And God, we just pray right now, maybe there's people that are watching that have been asking for years and have been discouraged. Right now, just to remove all that discouragement, remove all that disappointment, remove all that doubt, that unbelief, an unworthiness is never gonna happen to me And just bring peace right now. Just bring peace right now. I pray right now for a baptism of the Holy Spirit's power to do what you've called them to do. To do what you've called us to do right now. Release it through the camera right now. Let them feel feel in their body something powerful taking place right now. Let them feel in their body something powerful taking place. That, that peace that surpasses understanding, all understanding, that joy, that supernatural like feeling of love and kindness and your generosity towards us. Let, let us feel that right now. It might feel like electricity in your body. God can show up in many different ways. You might feel something happening, like bubbling up on the inside of you. You might feel like your body beginning to shake. You might feel something. I don't know what it's gonna be for you. But right now, God, we just pray that the baptism of the Holy Spirit would come Baptized your people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God. Now we ask for the gift of tongues. We ask. Just begin to open up your open up your heart, open up your mind, and ask God. Say, God, I want I want to receive this gift of tongues. I want to receive this gift of tongues right now. It's for my personal prayer language. Paul bragged about it. Like, why wouldn't I want it? Why wouldn't you want to give it to me? It's there. I see it in Scripture. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would unlock that gift right now in Jesus' name. Now maybe some of you just just received it I believe if you ask you will receive it it's only a matter of time before it unlocks within you God is a good gift God is a good giver maybe you've asked right now and you're you're praying and you have this random word that's come to your come to your spirit I want you to begin to speak it out begin to speak it out it's just no different we teach on the voice of God you guys it's no different than the voice of God if God gives you a sense for somebody, He's speaking to something in you or to somebody for someone, and you step out, you say that word, and then more comes. It's the same thing with this gift. If you ask God, he will give it to you in Jesus' name. I just believe that many of you, even this week, and the coming weeks, this is going to unlock within you, and you're going to begin to operate in this gift in a powerful way, and it's going to change your prayer life in Jesus' name. I wish I could be there with you right now, praying for you, laying my hands on you and praying and believing that God would would do it right there where you are. But I believe God can do it even through the camera and he's already doing it in Jesus' name. God bless you, kingdom culture. Can't wait to see you next week.